Blog Talk Radio. The Net Live is brought to you by the Spire Institute, integrating sports and education, training and learning, performance and competition like no place on earth. SpireInstitute.org. Now, on with the show. It's that time. We have the people. This is Eric from Moana. This is Priscilla Lima. This is Casey Patterson. The story in real time. We're a much better team now than we were then. I'm not looking at just this year. I'm looking at the next four years. You're listening to The Net Line with Barney. You didn't win, so you must not have done a good job. Peter. There's no better angle for sure uh, than the one from behind. Reeves. All this travel and plane and priorities been really getting in the way of our relationship. And DJ Ruscha. I have great thighs. It's the Net Live right now. Eighty. DJ Ruscha. Eighty. Eighty. That's the number of the day. Eight zero. Eight zero. The current temperature at 10 a.m. here in Redondo Beach. Well, the sun has been up for about five hours because of the time change. <laughs> That's right. The time change saved me this weekend, but yeah. 80. Supposed to be a high of 85 to 90 here in Redondo Beach today. I may, directly after the show, drive to my in-laws and jump in the pool. Yeah, because if it's that warm here, yeah, go five miles inland and it's baking. They live on the back side of the hill. It'll be 100 degrees at the pool. It'll be perfect. The pool will be a brisk 70 degrees, maybe you, 65. Will you have your floaties? Yeah, and a Mai Tai, right in the middle of a Monday afternoon. <laughs> awesome. While the rest of you stiffs are at work. But that's because I was at work yesterday. So welcome to the Net Live, ladies and gentlemen. Kevin Barnett and DJ Roche sitting in once again in the home court, bringing you another Net Live. Now, I'm not saying another great Net Live because I just don't know yet, <laughs> but it is certainly another. There's going to be another one. There's another Net Live. Yeah. This is another netline. We'll have the College Volleyball Weekly. We'll have Brandon and hopefully Mike Sondheimer. He has some meetings, but he will endeavor to get out. Talk to him. We're hoping somebody from Beach shows up. Now, USAB Beach wants to come in and talk. We're hoping they show up. They contacted us. They did. And I said yes, and then I haven't heard back. So, But it was all happening yesterday, a busy volleyball weekend for lots of people. Well, Sandy talked to me about the new Poly Pavilion. Yes, we okay. will discuss the new Poly Pavilion, and we will get your opinion on that before we get to that point. Lots of upsets in the Pac-12 this week. An unbelievable number of upsets. And in fact, outside the Pac-12, there were a couple other good ones as well. In CBW, I'm sure we will talk about those. It was Upset Friday, basically. That's what it was. Just Pac-12 people beating each other down. And it was nearly Upset Sunday. Yesterday, I was in Seattle, and Utah took the first two sets off Washington. Unreal. Full panic. Full panic. I think it was, uh, I want to say 16-19, 17-19. I don't even remember. I know it was less than 24 hours ago. But 17-19, something like that, first two sets. Washington comes back, takes the next two, and then pretty convincingly wins the fifth. Washington came away with that victory, but other teams were not as lucky over the weekend. UCLA. Oregon twice, although the second one not an upset, just a good match. And UCLA also losing to Arizona. So lots of stuff there. There's lots of Pac-12 action this weekend. Football, volleyball. I didn't see any of it. I was busy. SC 
versus the Ducks. Yep. Turned into a shootout. What, 100 points? More than 100 points on the board. Mm-hmm. Forget the final. 58 to like 61 or... No, no, no. It was like 50... It was 10 points. Yeah. A massive outputting of points. And really, I think some of the best unis I've seen in a long time. Loved the helmets on the Ducks. I'm telling you, I would go to school there just for the uniforms. I don't know what else they got. Oh, believe me, they have more. But I don't know what they do school-wise, what their graduation rate is, what they specialize in. I don't care. I just want your unis. No, for I, every sport. I don't care. Whatever. I have already signed up. So <laughs> if they have another scholarship available, perhaps they can allocate it to you. But I've taken up one full ride for next year. Due to gender equity, they had to give it to me. Yes. Because I was able to join the women's team. Sitting team? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm playing back row only. Okay. For Perfect. the first practice, and then I'm gonna, then I'm gonna tell them I want to play some more. <laughs> that always ha- would happen to me. I go to an event and I'd say I'd play back row only. I'm like the scorpion. It's just not in my nature. No, you're like, yeah, this back row thing is great and all, but uh, I'm gonna want to kill some balls. Yeah, that's not that's not in my nature. <laughs> I can't do it. I'm trying to find the score here. Can you find a score? Nice job, uh, Google. News. I just want the final score. That's the issue with uh, some of these websites. Like if you, if you're a school, if you're a pro league, if you're anything, and it's not easy to find it, people will stop looking. Like the only reason you're still looking is because you want to say it on air. If you weren't on air, you would have stopped looking by now. Sixty-two fifty-one. Yeah. Eleven points. Yeah, I finally found it. I had something volleyball related, but I forget what it was now. We're going to go off on some tangents on this show. As we should. Because we've been working on guests, and this is kind of the doldrums of volleyball. And it's the doldrums of the season for the women's collegiate game. And you can tell. That's why teams are getting beat. Because it's the middle of the year, and every coach you talked to you said it's just tough in November. Because it's the middle of the season. It's getting dark, especially up north, if you're in Oregon or you're at Washington. It's starting to affect your, your life cycle. It's dark at like 3.30 in the afternoon. Yeah, your daily cycle is definitely being affected. And so it becomes much harder to play well. And as Jim O'Goffin said to me yesterday, these these women think they're at 100%, but they're not. And it's just the way it is this part of the year. And honestly, some teams are playing well. Utah comes away with two losses on the weekend, but played well. Utah won the first two against Washington State in Pullman, lost the next – or no, they were up 2-1. I'm sorry, they were up 2-1, mm-hmm. lost the fourth. 25-23, lost the 5th, 15-13. Mm. So they were right there? They were right there. But I, I talked to Beth Lanier, and she said, we really were playing well, and credit to Washington State for making plays. It became a good volleyball match. Yeah. This match yesterday, neither team hit over 100. Wow. 32 stuff blocks between them. Now, was that due to... Maybe it was 34. I had it written down. The blocks being that good, or the sets and the hits? The passing and serving was not good. Yeah. Mainly the passing. The yeah. serving was dominating the passing. Yeah. The block was loading up. But there were some good block moves, some good covers, some great rallies. Utah, who their main complaint has been they don't play defense very well. Yeah. Played some nice defense through large stretches of that match. Yeah. And honestly, had they not made a few errors, they could have won. Interesting. But Washington, had they not made so many errors through first two sets, could have won. Mm-hmm. Sometime inside of five, instead of going five. 
But I think there's some good volleyball out there. Oh, thanks for that. No, that was totally my fault. I think there's some good volleyball out there. And it's being played by a variety of teams. Stanford beat Oregon 3 nothing. Smashing. Without Jordan Burgess, I believe. She sprained her ankle. I don't think she played. I'm going to look that up in about a half hour. Yeah, because the volleyball websites are even tougher. And I forget my good tangent I wanted to go off on, too. But. It'll come back to you. Yeah. Now, I want to get back to the uniforms issue because I like what Oregon's doing with their unis. Mm-hmm. I like what the about, Seahawks are doing with their unis. Now. No, football. Okay. You're confusing me. But we're going to bring it back to volleyball. Yeah. I like what they're doing with their unis. I like what the Seahawks are doing with their unis. It's a little weird at times. The carbon fiber and the numbers and the yeah. the bright uh, green and stuff. Although I've seen Dan Nickel up up there with one. Rocking it. Settling in at his place back east to watch the Seahawks and be the 12th man. But I like the experimentation. I like what they're doing with it. Volleyball's got to get on board with this. And I don't mean from an, uh, a whole team standpoint necessarily. Mm-hmm. Having multiple jerseys every year. Yep. You could have one other set. Cost a couple hundred bucks. Promote it somehow. Yeah. Breast cancer awareness. Limited edition. So Black History stores. Month. Yeah. I don't know. Could you have Black History Month jerseys? If. No. <laughs> <laughs> but But do something... Entertaining either with a second set of jerseys mm-hmm. or with your yearly jerseys. Volleyball apparel is, let's be honest, boring. Plain vanilla, boring. And I had a question about this the other day. Nicole and I were at home. I was watching women's volleyball, and they're they're playing in long sleeves. And that confuses me a little bit because you're indoors, right? It's not like it's cold in there. I understand you want long sleeve on before you come on the court. It's warm. I don't understand the long sleeve. Why would you uh, even make a long sleeve uniform? There's a historic element to the long sleeves. I've seen yeah. pictures from the 70s and 80s, long yeah. sleeves. Yeah. Are we covering the girls up because it's... I don't think it was just women. Guys are wearing long sleeves too? Yeah. Because the ball was hurting their arms? Yeah, the ball was hurting their arms. But I, I couldn't play in long sleeves. I mean, I've done it once or twice on the beach when it's cold, really cold. But Or if I have like a horrible sunburn. Also likely. <laughs> but I could not play comfortably in long sleeves in a serious volleyball situation. Yeah. Now, granted, these sleeves, they're, you know, it's not like it's like a loose long sleeve t-shirt. I could probably, uh, in an Under Armour, maybe I could play in an Under Armour. That, would, might, that might be okay. Yeah. I could play in that. But still, it's like, why would that be the go-to uniform? I was confused. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not okay with that. Personally. Yeah. But if you want to play in long sleeves, that's cool. Yeah. Cover your elbows for diving, digging, forearms and stuff. No problem. Have at it. All right, we've got kids playing in headgear, helmets, and you know, getting concussions in volleyball, which is not easy to do, but it's happened. Yeah. Yucky Sim, Utah, out again, concussion-like sy- symptoms. Hit with the ball or hitting the floor? Hit with the ball a while back, out for four matches. Back for five, now out for the last two. Mm. Suffering reoccurring symptoms. Got to get your hands up or what? I don't know what happened to her. I've been hit hard, though, yeah. obviously, from my, com- my comments on this show. <laughs> but getting back to the uniforms for a second. 
the uniforms need some creativity. They need mm-hmm. some styling. They need some bold colors. They need some bold design elements. And teams and coaches need to start taking chances. Now, I understand if you're a coach, you've been there 30 years, 20 years, 18 years. You're old. You're stodgy. You can't handle it. You know, I remember playing for Doug Beal, and he wouldn't. He didn't like long hair or facial hair or anything else on the guys. And then somebody printed up a picture and put it up in the gym of Doug as a player where he had the full 70s beard, mustache, long hair. Awesome. In a USA uniform. Awesome. On the bench. So I get it. If you're just old and grumpy and you don't like change and you can't handle style and things, you like your 82 Volvo that you've had for a long time. Yes, wagon. And you you wear the the suit coats with the the little yes. scuff pads on the elbows. And you're, digging, you're digging deep, right? Tweed now. coat. You know, yeah. I, I get it. If you're that guy, if you're an English professor turned volleyball coach, I get it. Maybe we're not going to get to you. But some of the younger crowd, the Spraws, the Sealies of the world. Yeah. Let's get some style in these unis. Let's get some thought behind your brand. It's part of your brand. You're trying to build your brand, make your, your brand cool. I think Oregon's doing it a bit vicariously mm-hmm. or, or by, uh, what would it be, diffusion or osmosis from osmosis. the football team. Yeah. Okay, they're getting some of it. They have a budget to do it. They have Nike behind them. UCLA Unique football situation. did something special with their uniforms yeah. for Saturday night's game. Let's get on board, volleyball, women's volleyball, because I understand the men's, they're practically paying for their own uniforms. I get it. You know, They're using the leftover stuff, and the lucky if volleyball is spelled right on the uniform at all. Awesome. But let's get on board, women's volleyball. You're big time. Let's put some creativity and some passion into the uniforms, especially, and I've said this before on the show, in the libero uniform. You're already wearing something different. Let's make it really different. The only reason you need it to be a certain, I don't know, designation is so that you can see who the libero is. Yeah. It doesn't just have to be the solid off-color from... You're normally red uniforms, now you're wearing the white uniform. Mm-hmm. Put flames on it. Put electricity on it. Put, Put your own sign. design on it. Put something cool on that libero uniform. Would it have to be somebody like Nebraska or Penn State yes. to change their uniform for everybody else to kind of follow suit? Penn State, oddly, I've heard, doesn't have any money, which I just I can't fathom, but that's what I've heard. Nebraska packing the stands. Hawaii packing the stands. Profitable. Yeah. Stanford. Uh, yeah, probably. But, you know, these these programs, look, they, if they wanted to do it, they could get it done. Yeah. And I think they ought to do it. Get creative, people. The companies making their uniforms, though, you don't think of, like, take chances. Nike would take chance. Under Armour now would probably take chance. But, like, Mikasa. Mikasa doesn't make uniforms. Who is the... Mizuno? Mizuno, yeah. Yeah, I get them confused, too. Sorry. Starts with an M. Yeah, Japanese company yep. starts with an M. Yeah, I I know that it's not in the DNA of some of these companies. It's not in the DNA of the sport. And I think we talk about a lot of little things that we feel might make the sport better, whether it's rules or looks or... Just to add some flair, no pun intended. Yeah, add something to it. According to our uh, chat board, NCA says the libero must be solid color as of next year. Solid color? That's what it says on the chat board. Then the NCAA is part of the problem. Shocker. (laughs) (laughs) 
I mean, solid color. I mean, look what the NFL guys are doing. All, all it has to do is be different. Yeah. They were all wearing pink all of October. Right. Pink shoes, pink towels. Right. Pink wristbands. Just something. Pink cleat covers my son wears. Pink gloves. Yeah. They do it in the Masculine younger now. football leagues as well. Pink's the new black. Dude, if you can rock pink, I should have been rocking pink in high school. I can, just in case you're wondering. Well, you have your nails painted. I mean... My toenails. <laughs> I mean, you're 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 a whole other level of metro. <laughs> I I did not have the courage as a young man to do that. Didn't we discuss this on the show that you weren't you're not cool? Didn't we have this discussion? <laughs> <laughs> did we already talk about this? That I'm not cool, or that I'm not trying to be cool. Because no, there's a difference between because I would have tried to be cool before. Cool is a state of mind, Kevin. <laughs> is that right? Yeah, you just are. <laughs> is that right? Yep. All right, then I'm not cool. All there's right. nothing wrong with that. Oh, there's something wrong. No, with no, that. just yeah. as long as you own it. Don't try and make me feel better about not being cool. I'm not, but it's one of those things. Like I would rather somebody who's not cool not be cool than somebody who's not cool then try to be cool. That bothers me more. Like a poser? Yeah, exactly. You don't like that? You're not cool. Don't try to be cool. What if I go mohawk? What if you show? No, me that doesn't I got work. Mohawk? That does not work for you. Pac-12 Network's not gonna be happy. I don't know if they'll be happy or not, but you know <laughs> that a mohawk's not gonna work for you. Yeah, that was the fun thing about going overseas. You could sort of reinvent yourself. Mohawk would yeah, work for the overseas. Yeah. I always went colored hair. But yeah, it's not my not my role. It's all good. You got a wife, you got two kids. You gotta be responsible. Oh, I see. I don't. You're in the entertainment industry. Pretty much. Got a three quarter sleeve. Three quarter sleeve tattoos, painted toenails. Mohawk. Mohawk. Slightly gay looking earrings. <laughs> to my point. But I'm cool, Kevin. You are cool. You got your own brand. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess I'll get back in my tweed suit coat <laughs> with the elbow patches. Exactly. <laughs> you do have like an 85 Volvo. That would be a 95. Yeah. Yep. I'm going to drive that thing till it dies. You should be a college professor. You should teach a. Uh, nope. A class on the DJ art. Here's the thing. If I'm so cool, I make my 1995 Volvo wagon look cool. Not possible. 100%. No. 100%. Now you've gone beyond the realm of possibility. Nope. Yeah. Because there is nothing in the world that makes a 95 Volvo cool. Yeah, I do. You don't even have rims. One thing right now, too, and the best part is my the passenger side door on the driver's side is all smashed in because my neighbor backed into it. Oh, they tell you, though? Yeah. They oh. left a note. Thank Thankfully, that's good. They left a note on my car. Okay, so, so good karma points. To so them. they ruined your car, but they left you the door. Take like, care of it. The door needs to be replaced, okay, like the fine. entire door. Yeah. So happens. right now, I'm driving around a 1995 Volvo with an absolutely smashed in rear passenger door. <laughs> <laughs> it is sweet. So you've gone from cool. Yeah, the big dent doesn't help the cool factor for sure. There's nothing cool about it. And no. You can't. You cannot overpower that. Cut nope. your mohawk as deep as you want. Yep, I cannot. It's not going to fix that dent. So I roll down the window so people can see me. And they're like, oh, oh, okay, well, he's cool, so it's okay that they dance with the car. <laughs> nice theory. Yeah. Makes me feel better, <laughs> Kevin. That's all that matters. So I want to see these programs get on board with the cool factor of the uniforms. I, I want that to happen. If the NCAA is mandating that your uniform has to be boring, then someone ought to petition the NCAA to change that rule because the stuff that's going on in football and the NCAA, you know, is wise to this, is good for the sport. And look, sometimes they miss with the uniforms, of course. Yeah, but you got to experiment. 100%. You've got to be out on the limb. 
to figure out what's over the edge. Or if you're a school that's not big time Mixed yet. Mixed metaphors. You're a school that's not big time yet and you're trying to be. Maryland. Why not change some of your uniforms? That may – today's kids would come to your school because you have cool uniforms. Still my favorite is the Notre Dame helmet done by Troy Lee Designs. It was the green shamrock with the 24-karat gold effect helmet. The half and half? No, not the half and half. It was just a straight, but it was it was like a gold, not lame, um, gold leaf. Oh, okay. Gold yeah, leaf. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you. So it was really, it had a lot of dimension to it. Yeah. With just the bright green shamrock on the side. Mm-hmm. Those were neat looking. Okay. And I, I put Oregon last night or Saturday night right up there with that. It was a white helmet with duck feathers. Those little stripes they have. Mm-hmm. But it was like silver or something, wasn't it? Was it was silver, like silver carbon fiber. Yeah. It was awesome looking. And I don't know how, congrats to Nike and the folks at Oregon for taking a duck. And making it cool. As your mascot and making it the coolest mascot around. Yeah. A duck. Duck. The Oregon duck. Not a tiger. <laughs> not a lion. Not a bear. Not a ferocious beast. A, a pond animal. Not a wave. <laughs> There's no hope for that. No. A pond animal. Pond-dwelling, bread-eating, quacking, green-headed duck. Nothing cool about the duck. And it's way cool on the field. For sure. So we'll get their uniforms changed next year. Well, I, just, I want someone to, to work on it. Take a chance. Take a chance. Look Different. Do something different. We should get some coaches on and tell them. And Cordes probably do it. Louisville. They might take a shot at it. We'll talk to her about it this week. You know, Jeremy? Yeah? I want to come back and talk about Jenny and Whitney. Okay. When we had a question about the country quota, their lack of success there versus their success domestically. Yep. And I want to talk about that. And also we'll talk about Heat and Lakers. Okay. In the context of volleyball. So don't get disillusioned <laughs> with the show. But I want to talk about some of the debate going on there with that team and the group of superstars. And how that discussion translates to overseas and when groups of superstars are put together in overseas club teams, when they buy all these national team superstars. Yep. We'll be right back. Here on the Net Live, Kevin and Jeremy holding down another issue of your favorite volleyball talk show. Well, the only volleyball talk show. The best college volleyball in the country is coming to Louisville, and you'll want to be there up close to take in all the action. Cheer for every point. Witness every rally. Experience it live at the 2012 NCAA Division I Women's Volleyball Championship, December 13th and 15th at KFC Young Center in Louisville, Kentucky. Hosted by the University of Louisville and the Louisville Sports Commission. All session tickets start at $62. Visit NCAA.com slash volleyball to make a date with champions. Please allow me to introduce myself. I'm a man of wealth and faith. I've been around for a long, long year. So many a man, so many. Wash 
For the devil, Jeremy. Or the Rolling Stones. I will give you credit for knowing the band. I, I absolutely knew the band. Yeah. Don't say it like it's a given because you didn't know who Stevie Wonder was. <laughs> One yeah. of his most popular songs ever, you didn't know. However, that you was did, like three years ago. You did have to Shazam the title of the song. Yeah, I know some of the words and stuff. I didn't know the exact title. And, and that, you know, that comes from an era of more creative sound or song naming. Where it wasn't just the name of the chorus. Correct. There were lots of songs that were named different things, and the, the title had a message that was part of the theme of the song, not literally the word-for-word chorus of the song. Correct. Right. That doesn't happen as much today. Correct. Like, you don't call a, a song Eight Ways to Nowhere and then never say Eight Ways to Nowhere in the song. Well, sometimes people don't name the song until after they've written it, if that makes sense. And it's hard to name a song, I imagine. And it's easy to just name it the chorus. Yeah. But so. you do get credit for knowing the band. Okay, Rolling Stone. So I'm not sure where that leaves that $50 bet <laughs> from our chat board. He's asking about what about the title. And no, Kevin, No. he, I, shaz- he shazammed it. I shazammed it my headphones. But Sympathy for the Devil was the name of the song. Interesting. Great song. I always get the song caught in my head since you saw Flight with Denzel Washington. That uh, song was actually in that movie. Continue. Oh, it's in that movie. That's yeah. why I've heard it recently. Okay. Uh, no, I, I get the other one caught in my head where he's, he's fighting against the devil, and the devil is uh, being passed from person to person by that touch. That song was in that movie, too? Is it in that one? Because yep. I always think of the other one, uh, the one that he's always singing. Oh, I can't think of it offhand right now. Time's on my side. By the time, way, so. yeah. Time is on my side. Yes, yes it, it is. is. Yeah, that, that one will get stuck in your head for a while. I thought that was a cool movie. John Goodman in that yeah. one, too. John Goodman was also in Flight. Very cool idea. Oh, great. So they're just putting together the cast? Pretty much. What was the name of that one? Chatboard. I'm going to remember the name of that film. Touched. No. Something. something It'll short. come to me. Yeah. Fallen. Fallen. Nailed it. That was good. I liked that film. I've uh, seen any films I like lately. Before we get to the next topic, oh. can we discuss how I walked into your uh, front yard today and all the Halloween stuff was still up, which is fine. Yeah, you're busy, just man. a moment. Hang on one second. Oh, yeah, just one else for me. Note for people that we're going to have a guest later, John Dunning oh, yeah. of the Stanford Cardinal, will be joining us to awesome. talk about his victory over the Oregon Ducks yesterday, 3-0. Continue. So I walk into your 
your humble abode. Yes. You have a gate out front, so I walk in the gate, and then your front yard still has the Halloween stuff, which is great. It was, it was just was Wednesday. Wednesday. So right. no I've been day. traveling. Open your front door. Uh-huh. You have Christmas lights, Christmas garnish, Christmas decorations are already up around your home. By you, you don't really mean me. Correct. <laughs> but it's your house, so you right. are still but responsible for it. I only sleep here. Mostly I travel. Yes. And so I came home last night to discover that my boys, 8 and 10, had gotten into Christmas spirit. And I'm not a parent who thinks the boys ought to be doing whatever they want. But when they're decorating, you let them go? Eh, if they want to decorate for Christmas, have at it, kids. I love that they're into the spirit of it and they want to decorate the house and be proud of their work. You should see their rooms. They've got trees and ornaments Already? and lights. And, oh, dude. It's Did they everywhere. expect gifts? Before the no. before December? No, they're just fired up about the whole notion of decorating the house and putting up the lights and stuff. So they they've love it. been uh, they've been sucked in by the, all the uh, commercials and all that stuff. They're on the retail schedule. Yeah, that Christmas starts at Halloween. Normally, we we don't put up the tree until the day after Thanksgiving. Then we we decorate the house yep. and get in the Christmas spirit. Because I like Christmas a lot, and it's not the gifts. I just enjoy the the atmosphere. Yeah, the time of the year. Like for me, when I lived in Vienna. Going to Schönbrunn, which is a, a not a castle, but a uh, large estate mm-hmm. in Vienna, mm-hmm. uh, used to be a summer home of the the royal family. Go there, and out in front they have a Christmas market, and they have all the little huts set up, and you can get cider, and you can buy wooden crafts, cool. and you can get roasted chestnuts, and it's all right there in in a scene out of the 1700s. I love that. Like I love that feeling where you yeah. have the lights and the trees and the it's a cold outside and I enjoy the Christmas feel. That's why 80 degrees, 85 degrees is not Christmas to me. This is not November, by the way. This is 85 degrees in November. Now we'll be down to a chilly 62, and I'm sure the fireplaces will be firing up around <laughs> Southern California come Thursday. But they enjoy it. Yeah, the boys just love the the idea of it. I love that they're fired up. So yeah, there's Christmas stuff and garland. Are all they going to leave the Halloween stuff up out front? Like, no, they uh, need to clean that up. But we have to have time to do that. Oh, okay. Between football and and me leaving, it's uh, it's Just not curious. easy. That may not get cleaned up until November first or December first. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> no, it'll get picked up this week. Said so I wanted to get into Ginny and Whitney. This was a good question from one of our Twitter followers. You can follow the Net Live on Twitter. Jenny and Whitney. Let's look up their record in the country quota. But their domestic dominance is obvious. Six for six. Yeah, the only Cuervo event they did not win this year was the shootout in Milwaukee. Right, the one-off deal. They won all the opens. They won everything else. So why is it that they can do that? And and they defeated some good teams, mm-hmm. but yet they go to the FIVB and they struggle. Well, some of it probably has to do with the travel. They're not used to that um, experience of playing those teams. They've never played some of those teams, or they're actually probably playing in the country quota would be my guess. So they're playing our domestic teams, but they don't actually get to see those that often, you know. And I guarantee you, too, they press a little bit because they are probably hearing the things like what we're saying right now. Yes, you're great domestically, but can you play internationally? And I don't know if 
if you're not 100% committed to playing internationally, can you be 100% committed to winning those type of tournaments? Like, are you, if subconsciously you don't necessarily really want to travel, when you get there, are you subconsciously not giving it your all? I don't. I don't think that's the case. You don't think so? No, I think they're giving it their all. I'm trying to look up their schedule here. I mean, they have not logged international time really. Because I have Jose Cuervo in eleven, wide open in eleven, NBL in eleven, USAV IDQ in eleven, Norseka. They don't have FIVB time basically. Look, they're good enough to play internationally. There's that's. I don't think that's in question. I think if they do it... It's a question of what they want to do. That's what I'm saying. Like, if you don't want to play internationally, but you're still going, subconsciously you're like, I don't want to be here. And I'm not saying that you would throw it in, because I think they're all competitors. Once you get on the court, they're like, okay, I want to win. I have no doubt that Jenny and Whitney are competitive and want to win at everything they do. I just think they need more experience playing internationally, and eventually they'll get better. We've talked about the difference between the international scene and the domestic tour before and we've said that the the level of the international scene is far higher we've gotten that from the players of course forget what we think it's a different ball yeah and the I ball's think, a big issue and you have different re- referee styles so you get used to the certain referee style in the states and it's probably not necessarily better or worse internationally but i guarantee it's going to be different true but i i think the biggest factor is the level of competition yeah. Here, even even though everyone thinks the United States is all that strong and, and how how incredible we are at, at volleyball and beach volleyball, when you have the best players from every country, that is a deeper pool than the best players from one country, even though the United States is a big place with a lot of volleyball. Yeah. You get better players. Period. And the competition level rises. So to beat the number five team in the United States compared to the number five team internationally. It's not even a close competition. Number five team internationally would thump the number five here. For sure. It's also too like, like your routine. The world has caught up. Oh, for sure. Like you get into a routine before a match. Correct. You probably have. Yes. Yeah. If you're traveling, your food options are different than they are if they're at home. Yep. You may not be sleeping in your own bed. Even if it's a domestic event, you could be sleeping in a hotel, but it's still you're still in the United States. You can get the food that you want, most likely. Europeans are probably about, on average, the most three hours away from their home. You yeah. are nine. Yeah. And a total travel time of probably 20. Of course. So I think that takes adjustment to your body's got to take some adjustment to it. And look, all of our – when Carrie and Missy first started playing internationally, they were not good. Jen and April were not good. Hyden Scott still right now, like, you would make them the best domestic team. Yes. Not Did not do that well internationally. And is that because they're not good? No. Yeah, exactly. They're not good in that format in that. But I guarantee you they would be. Game yet. If they committed to that 100% and traveled internationally. Would they be winning? They could. They could. They'd be in the conversation. Yeah, of course. It comes down to desire, too. When you talk to Whitney, she wants to. Jenny does not. That may change. Talk to Lauren. She's in a similar situation. Rachel does not want to. Lauren does. Talk about her most recent partnership there. Although the Jenny, or pardon me, Lauren Fendrick 
And um, why are you pointing at me? I can't think of her name because she's so Whitney, was gone. Whitney Pavlik? No. Rachel we, Scott? No. The two bigs played together. We talked about it last week. EY or Lauren. Nicole. Nicole. Nicole, Nicole Brana. Yeah. I can't even think of Nicole because Nicole has fallen so far. The MVP from 2009. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, can we can we get Nicole? I don't know. She's one of the best players in the world. Yeah. She's an extremely talented <sighs> volleyball player who threw, is, is a victim of circumstance yeah. at this point, I really believe. You know what I didn't I didn't know about this until I read an article, that she was invited to kind of give a go for the uh, indoor national team before this last Olympics. She was in the gym at first. Coach invited her in. Really? Yep. Okay, because she had played indoor a while back. Yeah. No, I think she said that was like her first time playing indoor in like five or six years. I think it's tough for those players because we've seen this with Jason Ring. He was in the gym at one point towards the end of his career. Yeah. I think it's hard for those players to get back to that once you've been at the beach. And it's a different game anyways. Well, because the commitment level at the beach, not the same as indoor. For sure. Not to belittle it. It's just not the same. You control everything. You go to the indoor, it's five hours a day of grinding it out. Yeah. You're practicing, you're prepping, you're icing, you're passing, you're lifting, you're doing all those things every day. But you also have a team schedule that's somewhat probably being – those things are being paid for for you. Right. I mean, we've talked about the trade-offs before, but yeah. the, the transition from being that regimented, dedicated lifestyle mm-hmm. indoors to going outdoors where you now can control the elements of your training, control the elements of your your weightlifting, yeah. your workload, tailor it to you personally, that's an easier transition for a dedicated player because you're going to fall off if you're not dedicated. But it's an easier transition than to go from being able to dictate everything to then going back indoors and having to adhere to that schedule and respond to those coaches. Cam had a good question on the uh, chat board. What's the best way to transition from domestic to international? I think to your point, you just have to commit to it. Play every event hard situation though because it's expensive yeah and you have to start out in the country quota right and you're and playing teams that you play here and you're gonna have a hard time getting out yeah you're gonna have a very hard time getting out the fivb is a once you're in with points much easier situation and uh john aharoni made a good point here too that i forgetting the speed of the international game is a little bit faster like they don't give you as much time between points like you saw that in the olympics i mean i think yeah. because those tv like those were the fastest matches I've ever seen in my life really in the Olympics. Like they were like 30 minute three set matches. It's not the Southern California pace. No. Of volleyball. No. Do 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 sand timeout. Let me wipe my glasses. Whatever. Dude, my glasses have got like sand on them and stuff, dude. You you would never be allowed to play on the beach. <laughs> Even if your knees were perfect right I now. I was barely allowed to play on the beach at the time. Exactly. Dude, I got next set, bro. <laughs> you know. Where's Geeter when we need you him? realize. That would set Geeter off. You do realize the beach people hate you. And when I say hate, I mean in a nice way. They're like, <laughs> yeah, 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 Kevin. He just doesn't know what he's talking about. But they hate you. I wish Geeter was here to just go off. And you know why they hate you, Kevin? Because I tell them they hate you. At every tournament, I'm nice. like, you guys know Barnett? Yeah, he hates beach volleyball. I, you come and sit here in my house at my desk, and you treat me that way out in public? Yeah, I'm in the big boy chair. You two-faced, mohawked, <laughs> tattooed, 
cool guy. Speaking of people who like me better than you, okay. I met Spraw this weekend in person finally. <laughs> he said I do a way better job on the show than you do. Those were, oh, and, and that's at least what I heard. You might have to ask him for his quote. As though John Spraw <laughs> even has time to listen to this mindless battle. Uh, he loves the show and tunes in just because of me. <laughs> that's good. John Spraw, thank you for tuning in in your palatial new offices, having taken over for Skater. I told him I'll be at some of his matches this year. I'll be at some of his matches this yeah, year. To support. I'll be uh, working Pac-12 for UCLA quite a few times, seven times. I support those that support the show, Kim. That'll be fun. Mm-hmm. So right. you're, what are you, you're thinking, there's lots of rumors that Jenny Whitney will split up next year, which I haven't, neither one of them, I haven't heard either one of them say that. I haven't heard a player that has heard that rumor say that to me either. But I've heard people outside of the players bring that up or mention that or think, is that a good idea? I was talking to one of them. I might have been Whitney. Yeah. Uh, or it might have been Jay. I can't remember. But one of them talking about that that split in their partnership where one wants to travel internationally one does not. Or maybe it was on one of the broadcasts. But <clears throat> that's that's documented. Well, I remember Jenny not wanting to really commit to beach full-time, and then they started winning, and then she committed to beach full-time. Because she was working. Yeah. She right. had a real job. Right. And that was back in 2010. She mm-hmm. finally committed to doing it full-time. So then that's what I'm saying. The same thing could happen internationally. What if she's like, all right. Yeah, if you're on the run. fence if you're on the fence with the international deal, it's not going to be successful. Correct. You have to commit 100%. Mm-hmm. There's just no way around that. So that may cause a split. And it would be a, a, a split because of career arc, not because of personality issues or results, that's for sure. I think they have potential. I mean, if they if they continued at it and they continued playing internationally and started going country quotas and committed to the whole thing, I think they're in the conversation in a year. They're, it's going to take a year of hard work. They're, their combined height, the two of them, are fairly tall. Jenny's obviously the blocker, Whitney's the defender, but you don't realize how tall Whitney is until you stand next to her, just because yeah. she looks shorter because of Jenny. Well, because Jenny's 6'3". Six four, but Whitney's close to six feet, if not right there. I wonder if we're going to see an evolution here because I think of the the Nicole. That's been talked about. Possibility. For, it's been talked about for years. The guys haven't been able to do that. You mean the double two bigs? Well, Casey, I mean everybody's Casey's getting bigger. The experiment, right? Everybody's getting bigger. Casey's been the experiment, and now Casey with Jake is going to be a very interesting experiment because you basically have two mid-sized players. Now Jake plays bigger, but. You have two mid-sized players going going for it. I think if you look at uh, the Dutch, Numidor and Skull, mm-hmm. neither of whom are big. Mm-hmm. Skull is six seven, six six. He's a former officer in the national I love team. That's not big. Numidor is a guy from Indoor as well. He's a little bit shorter, six five, six four. Mm-hmm. So that's the combination that Gibb and Patterson have put together now. I think you might be seeing a little bit of evolution of the game there with players that can play defense to a, a level because it becomes a balance between defense and the ability to transition hit inside out. Because well, who are you going to serve? Well, that's how you win the game. Like, you have to transition better than the other team. And it becomes a blend of, if I get this ball up, can I put the ball away? Yeah. And you may not get that extra ball up, but you might put an extra ball away or two. That's true. It's a trade-off. So that's the that's the look, because I in transition want to be six six going at the net versus being six three. Correct. 
But they've tried. This has been tried before. Like Furby and Sean Scott tried it. Didn't work out. Not with the same level of athletes, though. You're telling me Sean Scott's not a good athlete? Sean Scott's a great athlete. You're telling me Furby's not a good athlete? Sean Scott's probably a better blocker than he is a transition guy. Furby's a better blocker than he is a transition guy. For sure. Different sorts of athletes. And you start talking about, again, when we talk about the national teams or we talk about pro beach volleyball players, we're talking about the minutiae between... Good and sucks. Of, yeah, of course. Because <laughs> I mean, yeah. every guy out there is good. Obviously. Yeah. We start using terms like can't get it done, sucks, time to move on. It's not. And we're talking about the tiniest of margins, that if you yeah. put them outside in any other situation, they are the best player in 99.99% of volleyball events. Yeah. Look, when they made the court smaller, you made it easier for the bigs, for sure. Yeah, because they don't have to do anything. There have been a lot of changes that benefit a big, unskilled player. And by unskilled, I mean not well-rounded. Yeah, usually as a defender, like you look at Todd, he can hit, he can defend, he can set. He can do all that stuff. Like when I was first on tour, a lot of the bigs couldn't do all of that. They're starting to get more athletic now, for sure. Phil may not be the greatest defender, but he can play defense. Look at the game in the old big court. Old school. A big guy. Yep. Mike Whitmarsh, 6'7". Yep. Big guy. Yeah. 6'7". Yeah. Come on. That's a small guy. The big now, guy now is 6'10". Yeah. Or bigger. Which is ridiculous. Right. I mean, that's that's a big guy now. And Mike Dodd. I, I thought he was a big guy. I stand next to Mike Dodd. I think I'm standing next to him this week, as a matter of fact. And you tower over. Again, I am taller than Mike Dodd. He's also shrinking. Well, true. <laughs> he already had kind of the concave chest. Yeah. Going. No, he, I don't know when I got so much taller than Mike Dodd. Well, look at Fenoy and Dane, or when Fenoy and Dax, they were two tiny guys. Nowadays, yeah. Six and they're four. Not. Yeah. Dane's not a high flyer either. But he's quick, and he can absolutely bury a ball. Oh, not to say anything bad about him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just he's not a high flyer. No, he's I wasn't a guy calling who's not particularly tall. Dane. I wasn't saying you hate Dane Blanton. No, he's not particularly tall, but and he doesn't jump particularly well, and he had great success on the beach. Yeah. Won a gold medal. Fanoi, better jumper, but again, short. Yeah. Yeah, it's just it's it's a different deal with that shorter court. Maximizes the big player, but I think you're seeing now, much the way on the indoor side, you're starting to see bigger, more skilled outside hitters. You're starting to see bigger, more skilled defensive players. Yeah, because hopefully, and I get nervous now seeing the younger kids like, they're not specializing as much as they used to, and they need to do, be able to do all that stuff. Like, Phil can absolutely set butter from anywhere on the court. And he doesn't bump set ever. I don't care where the ball is. Right. I don't care if it's a shank pass. He's bringing out those paws and setting you perfectly. But that's 10 years of development for him in the game. Yeah. He couldn't do any of that stuff when he first came. I mean, he, he was undercoached when he arrived in the sport. For sure. He was just athletic until right. he got with Todd. Overqualified, undercoached. Yeah. Yep. And that's just circumstance. But I think you're seeing a lot of kids now that have made the choice. I think of Sean Rooney. Here's a guy who it was obvious when you saw him play in college and when you saw him play in the national team, he had played a lot of volleyball. Yeah. Big guy, moves well, Knows reads the game. the game well. You can see how he plays within the game. And that, 10 years before, you didn't see that in a guy that size that read the game that well and was that smooth around the court. Yeah. Sean Rooney never accused been accused of being dynamic and overly 
kind of crazy. You don't look at Sean and go, wow, look at that, you know? Yeah, you're like, oh, he's so super athletic. You no. don't think that. Oh, Sean is athletic. smooth. Yeah. Sean sure. is absolutely smooth. You can tell that he is a student of the game and has played a lot of volleyball. Same thing with Matt Anderson, except with more dynamicism. He's kind is of a, a blend. Sure. We say it's a word, it's a word. <laughs> I'm into it. I, I think he's more of a blend. Here's a kid who can still just accelerate through and hit the ball. Yeah. But who also, when you watch him play defense and the positions he gets in, he knows the game. He's been playing the game for a long time. Yeah. And that wasn't really the case on the men's side. Well, back to the women then. Are there enough bigs, which I know they don't like being called that, are there enough tall women on the women's tall, side? Tall, lean, attractive women? That, would that be better? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Instead of bigs? Well, I, just, I always find it funny when somebody walks up to them on the beach like, oh, you're a big girl. Like, and that's just not... That, they don't want to hear that. What if I said, I like big girls? No. Cause, I have to say, I like tall women. Yeah, because if you say big girl, we're thinking like uh, a lot more curvy. True. Like their toe fat coming out of their pumps, like that kind of big girl. I, I like tall women. I'm like, down with tall women. He don't like big women. <laughs> big, tall women? Hmm, but are there funny. enough... But six foot three, it's okay with me. Are there enough like... Carrie and Nicole played with each other, and those would be considered two tall women. Yes. Didn't work out. Don't say tall women. Just say bigs for the, for the sake of conversation. For the sake of the show. Well, I don't want to get any emails. They they know what we're saying. Hopefully. Um, How about smalls? Is it going to be a small? Whitney, you're a small. Yeah, I don't know. She's like to call them small either. <laughs> That's true. All right. So two bigs playing together. I, I yeah, think it's bound no- to happen. Yeah. But I'm telling you, we've been seeing experiments like that for a while. I mean, uh, EY and Nicole had success. Yes, quite a bit of it. Karen Misty had a lot of success, and they, didn't, they weren't small, two though. bigs. Yeah, Misty's didn't know she could block. And Carrie can play defense. I mean, yeah, it can happen. But but Misty is a small. She's not a, she's not a full-time blocker. Where some of these other players we're talking about, you could put together a team with them as the full-time blocker and just see how it goes. You would never put together a team with Misty as the full-time blocker and see how it goes. Yeah. Well, and Jen and April would be considered bigs. Right. Those are too big. Well, those are more... That, that's They're more, hybrids. Well, yeah, that's more of the Schkul numidor matchup. That's not, more of the, the Furbringer... Or not Furbringer. Uh, Gibb and Patterson matchup. Yeah. That's more of the two evens, right? Well, with all the rumors of Carrie and April at some point playing together, my gut feeling is that... There's another good experiment. But my gut feeling is that April would be the full-time defender. Yes. Her her serve-receive stance is awesome, as Kevin's demonstrating right now that nobody can see. Arms out. Yeah. Arms out. Here we go. It's It's going to be interesting. Sadly, we none of us are going to see it. Well, who knows? <laughs> we'll talk to USAV Beach about that at some point. We will have them on the program. But sadly, I'm worried about the pipeline in both genders. Not so much in the women, because there's just by sheer numbers, they'll drive some of it. I think... But in the men's side, I'm worried. I'm it, worried about the professional pipeline. I think in 2016, we'll still be decent beach men and women. It'll be the Olympics after that that we might suffer. Unless the national team program works. If the national team program, as it's coming along, works, then we'll be okay at that level. What I'm worried about is the tours, because the quality of the tours is really going to suffer. Well, it's already suffering, because you're you're losing players you're from 25 tours. to 32. That's who you're losing. 
Because right now you have players who okay, come out of college and, yeah, I can be on mom and dad's insurance and I don't have many needs and I don't have a family and I don't have anything yeah. from 22 to 25. 25 to 27, you start thinking about those things. Most people do, and men and women. And you start getting to that point where you have a wife, then you have a kid, then you have another kid and you're 31. And you cannot have made the choice through those two kids and a wife to stick with volleyball at its current state. Financially, it is a disaster. Yeah. And that's where we're losing people right now, which means in four years and again in eight years, players that are currently 27, 28, who would be still in their prime, 34, 38, we're not going to have those players around unless something changes. Well, we already lost some of those. I mean, you lost the Walk Vogels, you lost the Matt Olsons, you know, some of them in that would have stayed around, I mean, but Aaron was really coming into his prime. Matt had what, won a couple of tournaments in his career. I mean, you just I think you lost some of that. Now, would they be Olympians? I doubt it. No, but we're talking about domestic tour success, not yeah. the top of the heap. The yeah. national team can soak up the top of the heap. And in four years, there may not, there could possibly not be a domestic tour. So then if that happens, let's say there's no more domestic tour, are these kids coming out of college going, hey, I'm going to play beach, but I'm going to play internationally? Only if your name is Alex Jupiter, and I don't know what you're thinking. Do we ever confirm what she did? Disappeared. That's what she did. Hmm. I hope she's playing internationally. Haven't heard her name anywhere. Getting paid. Something. I'm going to Oregon. Sorry. <laughs> it's not internationally, but I'm going there because of their uniforms. <laughs> we, need some, we need some duck swag here. That's what we need. We do. We keep pumping them. We're pumping the ducks. I want some carbon fiber stuff. I am working the Pac-12 football championship. Yeah. And at the moment, it looks like it'll be at Oregon again. No joke. If I could get one of those white helmets, I'd put it up. Like, I'm redoing this whole upstairs. Yeah. I would put it on display up here, one of those white helmets. Well, I like that helmet that much. If I go back to the school, I will talk to people. Okay, speak to them. We have to know. Procure one of those we white know helmets. the volleyball coaches, right? And by we, I mean you. Yes. Jim Moore. Yeah. So Stacy Metro. Just put me in touch. Okay. I should drop a line to Jim Moore, just see if he can come up with one of those white helmets for me. He's like, I'll pay for it. <laughs> Hook a brother up. I don't know how much? How much one of those helmets going to run me? Three bills? It would cost a lot. Pretty awesome looking. And on a side note, with football helmets, I thought about this the other day with all the concussion stuff. Yeah. What if you made the helmet on the outside soft? Obviously, you still have the protection of your head inside. It's so hard inside, but the last layer is soft, so when you smash somebody in the face, it gives a little. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know. They have to. Is that, is that, that right? either a dumb ish an idea, or is it the most brilliant idea that no one's ever thought of? It may be a DJ suggesting a physics solution. Could be. That's what it might be. The cool guy coming up with the physics solution. Yeah, that's not usually workable. Hey, you never know. You can be the face of a brand. You cannot be the brains behind the brand. No Sorry. such thing as a bad idea, Kevin. <laughs> Have you put on a pair of shoulder pads lately? No. I did. They're lighter now, aren't they? Lighter. They're like gel-filled. They're molded, sculpted to your body instead of being like gigantic. Yeah. Wow, I want to wear those. I want to hit some fools with those. I was hitting people with... You know, plastic and the biggest pair of pads I could find. I wore giant shoulder pads. But I'm telling you, if the helmet is soft on the outside, you're not smashing somebody's face mask. It gives a little. Even though they're not supposed to lead with their helmets, it's still going to give, right? How is it then going to go back into shape? Is this something from the alien Roswell crash, like aluminum foil that you crinkle up and it goes back flat? I sleep on a bed 
that molds to my body, and when I get up, it goes back to normal. Are you suggesting we make helmets out of memory foam? Why not? <laughs> what? Try it. This is a cool guy suggesting a physics solution. That's exactly what's happening. Why? Why not? Why not? I'm why? sure someone could tell you why not. I'm sure they've looked into. Well, that. somebody needs to. It's call like me. race cars. Okay, race cars. They used to make them harder and harder on the outside. You know what it did to all the impact? It channeled it through to the driver because he was the softest thing on the car. That's what I'm saying. Now, the car tears away. The reason yeah. the car destructs the way it does and it looks spectacular is not so that the fans love racing more. It's to save the drivers. It's to dissipate force. Mm-hmm. It's the same reason your car has crumple zones. When you hit like a tree with your car, your car looks like you ran through a train because it has crumple zones. It's got to absorb that force so you don't feel it personally. But the car is then destroyed. So unless we have 8,000 helmets on the sidelines, you get a new helmet after every hit. I don't think your technology is going to work. Who do I need to talk to about this? Because I think it's an absolutely brilliant idea. And if they come up with it next season in the NFL, I'm going to be extremely bitter. Call Jim Moore. Have him put you in touch with the right people. Cool. Yeah. Volleyball connection to a physics solution. Does Chad Ward have anything to say about your idea? Cam thinks that the uh, integrity of the helmet would be messed up after every time. And I get that. I'm telling you, you need the aluminum foil from Roswell. Crinkle it up. It goes back flat. That's what you need. Alien, Area 51, Let me explain something. When when we can send human beings into space, we can make a helmet that does not give you concussions. Let's be clear. We can't send human beings into space. We can just send them into orbit. And then they jump out. We as a race are lame. You're lame. If we were sending people into space, they would be going to the moon and to Mars. That would be into space. Right now, they sit on the edge of space looking at it. And then jump out. And then jump back to Earth. Do you really want to go to the moon? What's up there? According to Apollo 18, the movie, there is a Which was awful. Russian. It was terrible. God, it was awful. <laughs> I watched it for 15 minutes. Maybe longer. Maybe it was a half hour. And then I looked up the results of it, and it was it's awful. everybody hated it. Yeah. It was too long. It's, you get dizzy watching it. It was like Blair Witch on the moon. I hate movies where they have like the personal camera. That's the whole new thing now, paranormal know, it drives activity. Me, drives me crazy. That's their whole deal. Drives me crazy. No. So, do I want to go to the moon? If it's a precursor, if we can establish a base to then go further into space, yes. If we're just going to go further into space, do it now, please. Enough talk. Put together Prometheus and send that thing out there, okay, to find the creators. By the way, Prometheus, I want to see it again. Somebody on the internet it's in my queue. put together a great, a great uh, five-minute short criticizing the film. And it's dead on. Nice. You said the first like five minutes, 20 minutes are great, and then it's just like, ugh. First five minutes are unbelievable. Well, can't wait to see the first five minutes. Like, sick. I, I love... You would own it just for the first five minutes. I want to see it again just for the first five minutes. Yeah. I will watch those five minutes. But I love that part of it. And then there are so many holes, you wonder how the film even got made. I need to clarify something about the helmets. Because it's coming up on the chat board, and Vinny Loops asks if he uh, Lopes. has Loops has missed Loops. anything. Has missed sorry, has missed anything Vinny so Loops. far. That sounds He's like a breakfast cereal. Coming up with the idea for new helmets in football. Look, the whole helmet's not going to be soft, obviously, but it has to have a soft layer on the outside of the helmet right now. Why not? Next thing you know, you tell me you want to make them out of leather. No face masks. Take the face mask off. Guys will not lead with their helmets anymore. Uh, maybe, but you'll have you're some still gruesome smash in injuries. The face. Or oh. take the helmets out, period. Because you don't have to leave with your helmet to get hit in the face mask. I mean, gang tackling, anything else. It's not going to be Then have everybody take their helmets off. People are going to arm roll. tackle. 
flag football. Pro flag football. Because <laughs> that'll sell. <laughs> In cool-looking uniforms. Yeah, totally. Yeah. No, it's not going to work. Off the rails. It's the way it goes around here. We still have John Dunning coming up. I mean, we, we're going to deliver on the volleyball. We have College Volleyball Weekly. Mike and uh, we're Brandon. We're talking about Polly Pavilion. The Paul new Polly Pavilion. The new Polly Pavilion. You've Which been there. looks, yeah, I was there on Friday. Looks okay. absolutely amazing. How is the 80 foot by 160 foot banner of Al Gates? Does it look like <laughs> It's on the middle of the floor. Oh, just his face? <laughs> his face on the Him middle of wooden? the floor. Yeah, exactly. Uh, no, the, the arena is awesome. Um, personally, they need a better sound system. And not just for me. It's a brand new arena, and they screwed up the sound? I, I honestly think, and I get this in a lot of events I do, people do not think about the audio stuff until it's like one of the last things they think about. And not because it's just because they're not used to it. Like weddings. I get so many calls about my DJs doing weddings and it's the last thing they have money for and they don't have money for it. But if you go to a wedding, what's the thing that you remember? The music. If you had a good time or not. And who's in charge of that? The food and the music. Exactly. Right. Don't skimp on the entertainment. Don't sleep on the DJ. And there are lots of bad DJs out there, trust me, that you don't want to pay a lot of money to. I had a good DJ for a Halloween party for the kids. It's cool. He was really good. Nice. It's hard to do kid events. Yeah. Because if the song isn't current, and I mean like last week current, they don't want to hear it. They're like, oh, that song's old. It was a month It was a month ago. Yeah, it's old. <laughs> it's a month old. All you have to do now is play Gangnam Style. It's just on repeat. Yeah. yeah. You'll be fine. You, everybody will love you. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I have sparked a huge conversation about helmets on the chat board. Hey, it's good. I like when people expand their, their area of knowledge or their area of interest here. Because we've had helmets in volleyball. Cal's libero two years ago wore a helmet now, from a concussion, how, okay. like a Protac helmet, yeah, you know, bicycle helmet type mm-hmm. deal. And now Nikki Sim, last few weeks was wearing the padded headgear. You ever seen that from like the seven on seven football? Padded, yeah, yeah, wearing that headgear. Mm-hmm. Uh, did not have a re-injury, just started suffering symptoms again. Yeah, but did not have a re-injury. But we started to see that in volleyball with the ball going as fast as it's going and the players diving and hitting each other, the floor, the poles, anything else. We've seen some headgear. I don't think people, unless they play volleyball, realize how much of a toll it actually takes on your body. Yeah. Like somebody's not necessarily running into you, but when you're diving on the floor and you're jumping 100 times a match, landing 100 times a match, even the floors now that have that gib and all that stuff, it's still – it's you're – Contorting your body in ways that it shouldn't be contorted. Your shoulder's not meant to be used overhead like no. that. It's like a pitcher, same thing. Exactly. No, volleyball is, is not easy on the body, despite the context yeah. or lack thereof. But back to the new poly pavilion. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Back to your gripe back about to, the sound. No, it's not necessarily gripe. It's just it. it if you're going to have, if you're going to spend that kind of money on a new arena, throw a little money at the sound system or consult somebody. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's that they don't know what the dynamics of the building are going to be till it's it, finished. Possibly, one hundred percent. Then they have to figure it out. Then you have to have an audio engineer in. And it can. And it's. It's not something that's like, oh, it's done. They can't do anything about it. They. They. You can add to this system, and that's my goal. By halfway through the basketball season, because I am DJing basketball games this year for UCLA. This is actually my second year, but first year at Poly on campus. Yeah, it's. It's, it's not built in stuff. Correct. So. Um, that's my goal, is to make something happen. 
Okay. But the arena looks amazing, and I hope uh, all those in Southern California, regardless whether you're a UCLA fan or not, will see some matches or basketball games this year because the arena is amazing. Well, I will be there checking out some volleyball. The windows open to make it all like on the outside on the concourse to make it almost like an open air arena. Oh, that's cool. It's really cool. This is the place you ought to do it. Yeah, for sure. I like that. I want to mention the Heat and Lakers debate oh, yeah. in the context of volleyball. Because if people remember two years ago, the Heat put together an all-star team. This year, the Lakers have put together an all-star mm-hmm. team. Literally. And the Lakers are 0 for 3 or 0 for 4? They won uh Did they win last yesterday? Night. Yeah. Last night. So okay, they're so 1 in 3. 1 in 3. One, something like that. They're 1 in 3. Mad panic here in L.A., 0-3. Mad, yeah. mad panic on Dogs around the horn, PTI. Yeah. yeah, Mass hysteria. Coach should be fired. Yeah, Mike, All kinds everybody of hating on Mike Brown. Yep. And people forgetting that the Heat two years ago started 9-8. and 9-8, and eight, just above 500. Yep. Went on to get into the NBA Finals. Did not win. Next year, played well and won. Not to say the Lakers are guaranteed of that kind of success, but you must give it more than the preseason and a few days in which Kobe is hurt, Nash is hurt, and Howard is coming back from surgery. Yeah. And they're all learning a new offense. And there's no bench. So stop panicking. In volleyball, we see this all the time with European teams that put together a team of all-stars. Which is essentially a bunch of individuals. Right, that presumably should win. Players that are very good on their national teams. Now, I have seen Brazil as a national team many times. Mm -hmm. Seen them play at a level in 2004, which I don't know that I have ever seen again. The dominance that that team displayed, the system that that team ran in 2004, was something to behold. It was a buzzsaw. None of those players, Dante, Jiba, Mauricio, I guess Lima was gone by then. Opposite, whose name is escaping me, the lefty. Middle, Gustavo. None of those guys on their club teams were ever as dominant as they were together. Mm -hmm. And there have been club teams that have been put together with you know a Brazilian, a Russian, and a Turkish guy, which should be awesome. And they're not. They're just not very good. Volleyball is more of a team sport than basketball is. True. And I think our own Reed Pretty had talked about that. Like It's a system, and it's hard for one individual to really... It's harder for one individual on a volleyball team indoor to make such a huge difference and have everybody just, you know, everybody, all of you get on my back and I'll carry us to the championship. That's why Clay Stanley and his serve are so highly valued. Yeah. The one close chain skill in the sport. Mm-hmm. Because that is the one point at which a single player with a single action of their own can really affect a match. Yep. Basketball is less so a team sport. Yeah, now granted, I mean... Football, a little more so. Yeah. A team sport. For sure. More like volleyball, because you have to have blocking to run. 
I also think, unless you're in the volleyball world, I I honestly think people forget, and I, I see this with basketball too, that they're actually running an offense in a defense. Like there are plays that they're running as opposed to just out there, just wherever the ball is, where you just can hit it. It's not, yeah. So you have to learn that stuff as well, not only, and then learn what your teammates' habits are, especially like if you're the setter, like, okay, where does my opposite and outside like to hit the ball? What's the most effective spot for them? What's the tempo? What's the distance? Exactly. Right. Do they have a small window? Do they have a big window? Right. How big's your window? It's not that big. Bathroom window? Yeah. I need a lower set. To Reed's plate glass, you're a bathroom? Just depends. I, I run in so quick, like I can't, the high set I can't hit because I'm too antsy, like I, I get underneath it. Yeah. So I need a faster tempo. And then you don't look cool when you're trying to hang and hit the ball on your way down. Correct. When I spat you at 30 feet out of bounds. <laughs> Into the crystal clear blue waters of Trinidad and Tobago. Exactly. Turks and Caicos. <laughs> Sorry, Turks and Caicos, my bad. Turks and Cacaos. <laughs> nice. Yeah, people do forget how how delicate volleyball is. And European teams, much like the media here in Los Angeles, are not afraid to stomp the panic button early and often. Yeah. Hit the big red button. You don't win for two matches. Oh, my goodness. Meetings, extra trainings. What does this mean? Yeah. Are we going to fire the coach? Yeah. I cannot believe we pay you. Yeah. <laughs> it's always that way. So calm down, folks. It's going to be all right. Dogs and cats are not living together. No. Mass hysteria. It has not set in. There isn't a key master. That would be awesome. Well, Sigourney Weaver floating over the bed was awesome back in the day. Won't lie. Back in the day. Back in the day. We're going to bring this show back around to volleyball and talk about one of the great system teams that are out there in Stanford. When we have John Dunning at 1130, we have the College Volleyball Weekly coming up here at 1115. Just on the other side of the break, we'll have Mike and Brandon breaking it down a week of upsets as things really hit the start of the second half. Last couple of weeks have been kind of the start of the second half of the year. About three, four weeks to go before selection time and then playoffs. Playoffs? Playoffs. There's going to be some hot debate over the selections too, I think. There will be. There always is. So we'll be talking to John Dunning about playoffs and practice. Practice. Coming up after the break. College Volleyball Weekly is up next. Then at live, Kevin and Jeremy. Volleyball Mag, the industry's number one volleyball magazine. Volleyball Magazine has been serving the volleyball community for over 20 years with the latest in volleyball news and information, product reviews, athlete profiles, fitness, health, and travel-related features. It's published nine times a year. Volleyball Magazine brings you the inside to the access to sports' biggest stars. Whether you're interested in junior, collegiate, or professional level, sand or indoor, Volleyball Magazine has you covered both on and off the court. Visit us now. Do it. www.volleyballmag.com and subscribe for one year. Water bottle, a $49 value, free compliments of our friends at Naturally Energized Water Bottles Company. Volleyball Mag, the industry's number one volleyball mag.
Florence the Machine earlier? This is Florence on this track. Oh, it's still going? Yeah. Okay. You can tell by her voice, can you? Yeah. That's, and I saw her on some video, and I thought, oh, she's not that attractive, but boy, she can sing. I saw her live at the Hollywood Bowl. And? Had to be awesome. Unbelievable. Her voice? Like, I had liked her music. Unreal. I liked her music, but didn't own any of her albums. I had some of the singles, whatever. Saw her in concert, immediately went home, bought the album. Yeah. Amazing voice. And it's this awesome when you can you hear somebody. She actually sounded better live than she did on the album. And that doesn't happen ever. That doesn't happen nope. anymore. All right, let's bring in a couple of guys who sound better live <laughs> than in person. Are you sure? Or wait, on the radio? On the radio? Person? How's that work? Know. In association with the American Volleyball Coaches Association. In association with the association? Is that what we have? We have an association, association with the association. With the Minute <laughs> Live is proud each week to present the College of Volleyball Weekly the best of what was and a look toward what will be in the world of college volleyball. We bring in our normal correspondents, Brandon Rosenthal and Mike Sondheimer. Gentlemen. Your computer's really bothered me today. It'll work. All right. Guys, you there? Yes. You guys went from like total rave music to uh, boogie nights. I loved it. Oh boy. We keep it fresh here, Brandon. Well, I'll tell you what. There's been a lot of change this week inside the top ten. There's been a lot of change on the floor. We'll start with the UCLA Bruins because we have Mike Sondheimer. They lose to Arizona. Mike, what? Didn't play well, but luckily they came back and uh, beat Arizona State, a team that swept SC 3-0. But the Pac-12 conference, very balanced, very tough to win on the road. And the team you have to credit for the week is the Stanford Cardinal. Coming into Oregon and sweeping Oregon is pretty amazing. And then Cal Berkeley getting it back together. Rich Feller, they went in five at Oregon. I would have never dreamed Oregon would lose two straight in Eugene. Yeah, I never would lose two straight. I thought they would bounce back strong against Stanford and at least make it a pass. It was 3-0. 
but Cal, you mentioned Cal, and I, they're a very interesting team because they were so beat up about four weeks ago. But now they have Adrian Gihan back, and you see some of those other players in Hawaii and some of the others that are all of a sudden gaining confidence. They could be dangerous. Well, you're going to talk about what to see, you know, in the coming weeks. And Cal's got a chance to put themselves back in position to be in the NCAA tournament. And oh, the week after next, you're going to see Stanford and Cal come down and play SC and UCLA, and that's going to really be big factors for the NCAA committee, you know, leading into the tournament. Brandon, number four, Nebraska lost to Michigan and Michigan State both in five. What does this tell us about the Cornhuskers? I don't know if it tells us all that much. I think, uh, you know, a lot like the Pac-12, uh, the Big Ten is just brutal. And I think that uh, throughout the weeks, you know, especially the next couple of weeks, you're going to be seeing more and more of this. I think I am a little surprised to see them lose two in a row, uh, albeit two five-setters. Uh, and the Michigan State loss was pretty uh, a tough one just because, um, you know, a lot of deuce games there. But, uh, you know, It'll be interesting to see their schedule. You know, it doesn't get any easier in the sense. You know, they have to play on the road at Minnesota, on the road at Wisconsin, and then the, the last home game is Northwestern. You know, which is not a gimme. So I think you know Nebraska is obviously out of the uh, woods a little bit playing Penn State and the Michigan schools and things like that. But still, you got some teams lurking. Uh, you know, one with Minnesota and and really the big one I think is coming up this week is Purdue and if Purdue can get it going. Yeah, definitely. I think that's important. And then you have to look at Illinois. Is really they're going to be on the bubble too. They're similar to Cal coming back. They got some injuries and they have a shot at playing Penn State. Mike, let me ask you this: When we're talking about the grind of the season, and you're talking about these two conferences, the Pac-12, the Big Ten, what I mean, is there really a way to equate which one is tougher? Uh, and 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 take into account. That there is a difference. I, I believe that uh, you know both both conferences play back-to-back days, where you know a lot of conferences have you know time off in between. Uh, kind of break that down for me, if, if you would, because I've been thinking about this. Well, I think what you have to look at is both both conferences are, I think, are very deep, and I think that's the really the tribute. Nobody else in the country. There's teams at the top in those conferences, but nobody else is that deep. And I think what happens is. Those teams, when they have to go on the road, they're going to have problems in most cases. There's so many schools that can beat the other school on a given night, and you don't have that in a lot of other conferences. The good teams can come in and still win 3-0 and do the things that they have to do. And I think it makes those teams much tougher when they get to postseason, when they play on the road, to be able to play those teams. And it makes it much tougher for the NCAA committee because you're looking at teams that are beating each other and how many teams really get in the tournament. Because Brandon and I have talked about it. You know, If you get to 500 with one extra win, those two conferences should you automatically get in. And you have to look like in the Pac-12, you got an Oregon State team beating a Penn State team. But then you have everybody else, you know, beating everybody else. I mean, that's why Michigan and Michigan State can go and beat Nebraska, which is really not easy. Well, am I supposed to jump in here? You guys are doing a good job on your own. New well, I was just, you know, I figured in the past couple of weeks the phones haven't worked, so we just decided we're just going to run. Yeah, with we'll it. just run the show ourselves, and then we got, you know, Brandon's got to talk about Tennessee beating Florida because, I mean, it just, I think what happened is Florida losing to Florida State and Tennessee has put them in danger of how high a seed they're going to have now if they you know, end up winning the SEC. Yeah, there's no doubt, and and kind of like Oregon, 
Um, I don't want to say. Obviously, it's a surprising win. I think, it, but even more so, it's it's one of those deals for Tennessee to go into Florida and get the win this late in the season. I am a little surprised, uh, you know, to see, you know, really uh, a Florida team lose, you know. Two pretty good matches, you know, in such a short span of time. Right. And yeah, the one thing I'm pretty sure of too right now is Texas is playing really hot. They may not get beat the rest of the year. They're going to get to be maybe the number one seed at Texas now. They have a chance for number one seed. I think Penn State will be the number one seed at Purdue. I think Stanford has got a virtual lock and be the number one seed at Cal. And Nebraska is either going to be the number one or number two seed at Nebraska-Omaha. So I think those four teams right now, regardless of the five-set losses for Nebraska, I think are the leading four teams to get to Louisville right now. Sonheimer, can you hear me? I can hear you now. Before you were not saying anything. New top 25. Stanford stays at number one. Penn State moves to number two. Texas up to three from number seven. Oregon drops to four. Washington, strangely enough, Washington stays at five. What about Washington staying at five? I'm curious about that because they they went 3-2 yesterday with Utah. And prior to that, they had a defeat of Colorado 3-0, but they've gone Two and four up to this weekend. Well, they play. They get to host. They get to play at Stanford this week, and that'll kind of determine whether they've gotten better. I mean, they've got a really fine team, but again, they're another team that's uh, because their non-conference only has a couple of wins. They're going to need to play well and, and get another road win if they want to be a one or two seed. Because right now, I, like I say, I think Texas has moved its way up. But even though Texas had some early season losses, it's going to be tough. Texas split with Minnesota earlier in the year. It's going to be interesting to see how the NCAA seeds it out. Brandon, in your neck of the woods, North Carolina jumps to number 22 from number 29. Yeah, you know, a big win over Florida State, and I think that has a lot to do with, you know, what Florida State's been doing all year. And so, you know, North Carolina benefiting from the idea, or or just the simple fact that Florida State's really kind of dominated the conference. Uh, But what makes it even more interesting is Florida State and Miami are now tied uh, with Miami winning one of those matches, you know, against Florida State, so uh, it, it should be should be interesting. You know, we played North Carolina, very very physical team. Uh, I think that uh, Joe Segula and his staff, Eva Ackman, uh, do a nice job, and I think that they're going to continue to uh, get better uh, as the year goes on. I have, uh, you know, I do question if they come up against a equally physical team, what's going to happen. But uh, they get nice um, play out of their setter. I figured her name off the top of my head. But, uh, you know, I think this is a team to kind of watch. The other team that I would be really interested in, and, you know, especially when it comes tournament time, is uh, two teams, both, you know, out of the same areas, Western Kentucky and Louisville. And I think Western Kentucky obviously does not benefit from their conference, uh, the Sun Belt and you know, it seems like a year ago they lost. You know, they're 28 and three, and I don't think have lost in the past. You know, the last loss is in September 8th. So uh, that's a team that I'll, I'll definitely watch. You know, coming into the tournament. Yeah, they'll give them a good break because they're trying to get them to Louisville. They're trying to get Louisville to Louisville, and those are the teams. And even even Kentucky, I think they're going to try to see if the three of them, they maybe they can split them and give them a shot at getting back there and, and give them the opportunity. The other team I need to talk about is BYU, which is playing really, really well. People saw them on national TV, but looked very good in beating San Diego in four. And Jennifer Hampson, 
you know, definitely is an All-American, first-team All-American in my mind, and really established themselves. And BYU is going to be a very tough out because the way they're playing, I think they'll be a top-16 seed, and someone's going to have to go and play in altitude in Provo those first two rounds, and then they're going to be a Sweet 16 team, potentially in Stanford's bracket. Western Kentucky at number 18, Louisville at number 11, and BYU at number 14. BYU making the largest jump of those teams. Again, your top five ended with Washington. Sixth and ten is UCLA, Hawaii, Southern Cal, Nebraska, and Minnesota. Brandon, I had a question for you about teams that are playing in some of these conferences that you don't necessarily hear about. I think it's about the Big West. Everybody knows Hawaii. Everybody historically knows Long Beach. But a team like UC Santa Barbara, who my perception was they're not really getting it done. Kathy Gregory been there forever, but look back at their records. They've been pretty good. Do you just get overlooked if you play in one of these conferences that's not the Pac-12 or Big Ten? Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, teams like that, you, you got to talk about Dayton. I mean, when's the last time we talked about Dayton? You know, but Dayton is 22-4, and 13-0 in the uh, – a ten, and you know, last week they were fourteenth. I don't know where they're at. They've got to be somewhere right in there. Uh, another tough team. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's really easy to do that. And what happens is, you know, these first round matchups. Uh, some of these bigger teams dread these teams that you know kind of get lost in the shuffle. The Dayton, the Santa Barbara's, and things like that. Teams with experienced coaches. You know, it, it's really dangerous, and it's one of those things where I would. Again, love to see the tournament go to seeding all 64 teams. I think that's the only way to go as far as us moving forward as a sport, um, and and really earning a seed. You know, and, and when I say that, you know, if you earn a five seed in theory, you're going to play a 12. Um, you know, a lot of times what happens is these five seeds, these quote five seeds, are playing. You know, what would be an eight seed? Well, that doesn't do you any good, and thanks for, you know, playing so hard during the season, you know, season and earning something like that. Um, I, I kind of go back and forth on this all the time with the idea that, you know, the NCAA is going to say, yeah, we do it for travel purposes and whatnot. I don't buy it. Uh, I think it's got to happen. I think it's if we want the best tournament possible, this is what's got to be moved to. And and I think when it's all said and done, what you're going to find is the travel costs are pretty, uh, I don't want to say minimal, but not nearly as much. And I think the NCAA could foot the bill for it. Yeah, because, I mean, the teams out west are going to get stuck in the first round or second round playing a team that probably is going to be ranked in the top 25. When you're looking at a Pepperdine as a second-round match or a San Diego or a St. Mary's teams from those conferences, maybe Long Beach State if they you know finish strong, those are all very, very tough matches, and it's possible to get them in the first round because of the way the seeds go down. Because one doesn't play 64, but you know conceivably one could end up playing like 35 or 40. Mike, how's the new poly? We hear that it's an open-air concept. The new poly is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, it's the best building I've seen for a remake of a building ever. I mean, it's it's just really, it's basically a college arena with the wooden history mixed into something like the L.A. Staples Center. I mean, it's just phenomenal. And for volleyball, it'll see 13,000. The NSA men's will be there. The UCLA women's team will play Stanford there in their first match next Friday and then play USC the following Friday and then hopefully host the first and second round. But if you haven't been in there, it's just an amazing place. They had open house. They had several thousand people there yesterday going through. The history of Wooden is there. All the All-Americans are listed for men's and women's volleyball, gymnastics, women's basketball mixed in with the men. The new locker rooms are phenomenal. And just the whole playing surface. They did a four 
four-tier floor, so it's bouncier, it's better jumping than the old floor. It's going to be much better for volleyball players' knees. Hey, it's no Maples Pavilion. Uh, we have John Dunning coming up here next. Give us a it's quick... Be, it's, be, it's better than Maples Pavilion. It's better than Galen Stern. It's not even close. Uh, Dunning, Coach Dunning will see that next when he comes down next Friday. You're contractually obligated to say that, Mike. <laughs> yes, for all, the sal- for all the salary I get to be on the show, definitely I'm contractually obligated. <laughs> Watch this week, Mike and Brandon. Quick. Stanford and Washington. Stanford, hottest team in the country right now. They've won 20 in a row. John Dunning right now, leading candidate for National Coach of the Year. He's done a phenomenal job bringing along the freshmen, and they look great. Okay. Rose. I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with Louisville and Marquette. Uh, uh, I think this is the one team that really has a, a good shot of upsetting uh, Louisville's uh, season right here, and I'm, I'm interested to see. You know, they've already played once. It was a decent match, but I think Louisville Marquette is the match I'd like to see this uh, week coming up. All right, the number twenty-eight team there, Marquette, getting forty-nine points in the most recently released ABCA poll. Thanks a lot, gentlemen. Appreciate your your effort every week and your information. We'll see. Talk to you in two weeks. No Take connection. care. All right. Talk to Later. you later. All right. Thanks. College Volleyball Weekly. Thank you very much, guys. Good discussion there and a lot to talk about uh, and matches to watch. Certainly Stanford, Washington, and Louisville Marquette. I like the Louisville Marquette pick because we don't talk about Marquette. Or West Coast. Yeah, well, we're all, we, we talk about West Coast, but we get in there. Brandon's got, got us covered. For ACC, sure. SEC. I just don't see him on TV as much. That's the issue. Well, true, but you know, you're not watching the Big Ten Network. That is correct. Yeah. Well, let's bring on a guy that has been seen on TV recently. The prime billing spot. Yesterday afternoon at 1 o'clock is his Stanford Cardinal on a 19-match win streak, their best ever. Took on the number two team in the country in the Oregon Ducks and treated them like pond scum. Just sent them packing 3-0. You heard Mike Sonheimer mention it. This man has been at the job a long time. He is a veteran of the volleyball coaching world, and please, we are pleased to have him here on the program once again. Please welcome in head coach of the women Cardinal, John Dunning. Coach. Hi. Thanks a lot for checking in with us. We know it was an incredibly busy weekend for you. Uh, just your feelings about your team coming out of this weekend. A big victory yesterday. Yeah, this has been a very enjoyable season. Um, really weird weekend. We've uh, uh, had a couple injuries over the weekend, and um, especially going up there to play the Ducks. And you know, their arena, new arena is great. Five thousand people. Um, really good, really offensive team. Um, so we were we were really excited, and and uh, now we're just tired. <laughs> you hate but it was Ducks. That you think may, perhaps other teams have not. Say that again. There was a fade out or something. My fault. I said, what, what were you able to do to the Ducks that other teams have not been able to? Um, you know, sometimes volleyball is one of the, re- the reasons it's such a great game is it's a little bit hard to understand why things happen sometimes. Um, you know, I think one of the good things about our team that might that might help us is we just kind of seem to stay in control. Uh, which for a young team is a little unusual, but I think we have a nice blend of some very experienced people and some really experienced young players, and we just kind of seem to stay a little bit in the groove. We play really bad, some badly sometimes, and and it doesn't seem to stick with us and bother us. And we just it, it's like we play through things, 
I think we have a nice mixture of um, serving that's getting better, um, a pretty good block that can sometimes get in people's heads, and I think we play some good defense behind it. So I don't think we're even close to where we need to be or can be offensively, but I think we're getting better, and our defense is just carrying us right now. Yeah, you're a very complete team. Did you guys, Did you really think you'd be this good at this point with the group you have? You mentioned all the young players. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't say, think any coach in their right mind would think if they were this young on the court that they'd, we'd be able to handle all the challenges of the road and the day after day after day. And it's different than junior volleyball, I, I think, a little bit in the sense that, you know, you play one match in September or October or whatever, and it can affect your whole season. And they're not used to that immediacy or urgency of kind of each each match you play. Um but, I, again, I think it's just a really nice blend. We have a team that returning 10 players that have been through a lot, played a season last season, where we played really hard and really improved, but we, we just weren't um, up to the task all the way. Um, and then Nick and some young kids who either have a little bit of ice in their veins, I hope that's the case, uh, or they're a little oblivious of all that goes around like freshmen sometimes are. Yeah, this is the time of season where all the coaches are saying players think they're 100%, but they're not. We're going to change some things about our program. We're going to take some time off. We're going to combat kind of midseason fatigue. What are you doing with your team to combat the midseason fatigue? Yeah, we've, we've um, I think, done a pretty good job. And, and maybe the situation we have with our personnel has helped us a little bit. Um, you know, the last two or three years, we've really gone to a couple people and, and, and it kind of wore them out. I think that might have happened a little with Rachel last year and Clint, Alex Kleinman the year before, uh, maybe Cassidy Lickman too. This year, we've spread it out a lot, and I think that's helpful. Um, we spent a lot of time on ball control, maybe a little less time in the air, um, although we have worked on blocking a lot. Um, and then I, I know what everyone's talking about. I mean, it's just this thing that happens to you kind of at the end of the middle of the season where it's just another week or just another set of matches. And we've been talking a lot about it in our program, about this is the part that you have to earn. You have to fight through this. That other people drop at this period. You don't want that to happen to you. And some years you have no, you know, it's just what is. It's just what happens. But we're trying really hard just to fight through this period before the you know, the last part is in sight where everybody tends to get more excited. And I'm really proud of our team right now because I think we're we're doing that. And I think a little bit has to do with chemistry. Um, that I, I think the group is uh, pretty close. I think they're supporting each other a lot. We've had to have different people step up different weeks, and so it's kept everyone engaged. And so who knows, I, I think maybe a, a, uh, I, I thought we might have played one of our best matches yesterday. Um, all around, and uh, I, I think that's a good thing at this point of the season. Maybe it's the baking. I've never seen a roster with three different players that list baking as something they enjoy doing. <laughs> yeah, and one of them even let their lit their kitchen on fire at home one time, so I'm not sure they're as good at it as they like it. Tell us about that. We had some sort of exploding pie situation? No, no, I think Inky... Um, likes to cook a lot, and apparently one time she had a little cooking incident when she was, I think, home alone, and and I think there was some significant smoke damage that she even tried to fix, but uh, didn't kind of happen right. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But, 
kind of fits her. She's a character. There's no doubt about it. Well, Inky is one of those fabulous freshmen you have out there playing, and this is a group that is now ranked number one, has the win streak going. How much are they aware of the gravity of those two things? Does that place any extra stress on them, or are they just dumb freshmen who they're just trying to manage their life and manage volleyball, and they don't even think about it. They're just out there doing what they do. Man, that's a hard question. I I, I don't know. They... <laughs> The, the this group just kind of tend from the first day they they just have kind of stepped out there and said I'm just going to go play and you know whether there'll be a realization down the road or whatever I think they've learned a lot already and you know we're lucky um, we worked hard but we're lucky we haven't had to pay a price for some of the learning process that we've had we've gone through which isn't usually the case usually you have to pay with it with pay for it with losses and. You know, this group, There's, I. it's just kind of neat. I like going to the gym every day. I think we all do. Um, they bring an excitement, and they bring may bring a little bit of naive uh, attitude about them to, to the court, too. But I also think they, they're just players. They, You know, like Natty Bugs has grown up, and her mom was a setter at Tennessee. Her dad plays volleyball. It's just in her family. It always has been. You know, she just kind of loves volleyball and has a really high IQ and that Jordan's the same way. Brittany's the same way. Her mom was a great college player. So this is a new era where there are people like any other long time sports where their kids are growing up in a setting where they just are, you know, soaking it up from the time that they're two, which is really cool. And so when they get to this point, um, and I just think we had three or four or five of them, the freshmen on our team, that are the same way, which is lucky for us. You're listening to Net Live. We're talking to Cardinal head coach John Dunning. And, and John, you talked a lot about the young kids, but there has to be something said for the leadership you have on that team with Carly Wopat and the way she has continued to play in the middle. Yeah, Carly is a, you know one of those people that any coach would in a draft would pick one of them on their team because she's so tough. Um, she's so physical. She's so competitive. Um, her key thing has been to learn how to kind of manage that and use it the way she wants. And, um, you know, I think as a freshman, she was a, like like a, a little bit of a caged kind of uh, personality where she just wanted to let it out and, and just compete over the top all the time. And she's kind of had to learn a, a little bit about it. And as she's done that, she's just developed into an, an inspiring uh, leader for our team, kind of mixed with, you know, uh, um, three or four other people that I think are really have stepped up um, and helped the group. I think Rachel has done that. Carissa Cook has been really instrumental in that. She's kind of got a calming, big sister kind of personality to her, as is Hannah Benjamin. Um, we had a nice mixture, but Carly Clear is where this kind of competitive, aggressive, we're going to try to dominate you source emanates from in our team and it's really neat to be around carly of course dealing with the untimely death of her sister last springtime and you guys are honoring sam wopat with patches on your uniforms how much uh change have you seen in carly that's attributable to that massive life event yeah there's there's really no way to describe something like that um i i think we're all just uh, proud of Carly that um, she's been able to um, 
in steps go forward in her life. You know, she's um, bringing Sam along with her, as is our team. I think there's a lot of support here. I can't even begin to describe or understand what her family has and is and will continue to go through. But um, Carly just right now just um, dedicating herself to um, her team and the season and school and um, just trying to get up each day and enjoy each day, I think. And uh, she's such a strong person that our team just kind of uh, gravitates to that, and they want to help her, stay, her just stay that way. So many times there's a lot of focus on the family or the siblings, and rightfully so, but uh, folks forget that anytime there's a death inside of a team, it also affects the staff uh, who functions as uh, adjunct parents to a lot of these kids. And, and how did you and your staff deal with that? What kind of a, a shakeup did that cause for you guys? Yeah, you know, it, that's really true. It's, uh, you know, I... I think about the situation that Denise and Jay and and I and the rest of the people are in, and we just kind of have to step back and go, that's what we're going through is just nothing compared to what an 18-year-old friend, teammate, um, sister can be going through. And so, um, you know, we've asked for help. We've gotten a lot of help from the folks here at school. Um, We have great families in our program that are all, kind of gathered around and, you know, tightening the, the ropes around everybody to keep everybody close together. And it just comes down to human, just the wonderful human spirit that comes up when, when others sense that people need support. Um, uh, it's uh, it's an amazing thing to witness and to be part of. Um, we're all learning a lot and just trying to help the Wopat family. Something that was fun to be a part of was being in your gym when the World Series was going on. The first game of the World Series was happening. It was only yeah. when things were going on in the World Series and the whole place was erupting. Uh, how does that enthusiasm of that area and, and the Giants and, and everyone's fandom translate over to your program and some of the, the fandom of your program? Because you guys have a nice group of support. Yeah, oh, yeah, um, we do. It, it, that has been an amazing experience here because I think it's, you know, I'm a Giants fan and not to the extent that some of the other coaches or people in our staff are or some of our players are huge Giants fans and they just were tracking it every minute. And I just think for us, you know, it's, our, it's part of our community for sure, but it's just been a great story to, as a coach to watch and follow and see um, how that all transpired and the kind of team effort that everyone in this community at least has talked about. And it affected us in a, in a great way. I mean, we we had to think, no, this is we have some big volleyball games going on here, but no, we need to show this on the, We were showing it on the big screen. It was pretty cool. Um, and regular reports about it. But it has definitely carried over into the community, the excitement about it, something else to be excited about, which carries over into your life, which is really cool. Uh, but it's been a great season to follow. Um, huge uh, fan of how they did it, and I agree. We're fans; it's part of our community. So, you've been at this a long time—twenty-seven years uh, between UOP and Stanford, uh, involved with the sport for so many years. What are some of the big changes you've seen? I always like to ask that question of guys like yourself that have been around the game for so long. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm old. That's true. Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> I think uh, I've been in an unusual seat because I I was a high school math teacher and a and a basketball player and coach and golfer and and I had never I I knew nothing about volleyball and Title IX passed and I was in South Bay here at Sunnyvale, Sunnyvale area Fremont High School and they all of a sudden had a team um, and they had money for a team but they had no coaches and so. Um, I thought the players came to me because I was one of the younger teachers uh, to see if I would coach their team because they didn't have a coach. And I always felt good about it that they came to me and asked me. And, and I, I just love this part of the story. We had a team gathering a few years back of my first high school team, and my, our team captain said, Coach, that's not really the way the story started. We asked two or three other coaches before we asked you, and they said no. <laughs> uh, so that's my auspicious start in the world of volleyball. That uh, I was the fourth pick, and I said yes because I was excited about it. And and then I had some mentors along the way that have been wonderful that helped me get going. But there was no club teams, high school starting from scratch, knew nothing about college, all that. And to see then it grow into what it is, and see my daughters enjoy the expansion and the, the all the joy they had in their life they both played college volleyball and and uh, now to see what is out there available the tri- the changes are just in, in the sport and uh, in what the what happens for women in sport are just are coming so quickly still changing like i think the next five years will be the biggest growth period in the history of our sport um, and I can't believe how exciting that's going to be for volleyball. It's just such a great sport to coach, to play, to watch. It's so elegant, such a great team sport. that Things have changed, and it's so much fun to have witnessed. What forces are aligned that give you such optimism about the next five years? I think that more and more people are just finding out what a great sport it is, um, that uh, it's just, I think for a long time it grew just as word of mouth. Um, now it's just, I think it's just on this, at the beginning of another explosion. I think TV will have something to do with it. Just more and more people seeing just the, it's such a momentum sport. It's such a chemistry sport. And the athletes we're seeing, the great coaching they're getting, um, the skill level they're at, what's, you know, the ex- Terry, Misty, our national teams, men's and women's have been so successful. Uh, it's like what isn't aligned to allow this to happen? And I also think that it's there's so many positives about the sport that, and, and you don't hear much said about it that's not that way. Is it time, we'll get you out of here on this one, given all those circumstances, is it time for the NCAA to seed the tournament 1-64 to 64? and stop complaining about the pocket change that they would have to put out. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, uh, I think, a question that comes up every year at this time as things start to happen. And, you know, when you see each year, the like, why did that happen? You know, how did those teams end up playing there? Is that the best way to end up with the big, most exciting tournament that we could have? Um, clearly, seeding 64 teams is the best way to come up with a tournament that will, you know, have the most exciting matches, build through it uh, um, so that there's uh, December madness uh, as compared to March madness. And 
Uh, I hope it happens. I have no idea, you know, what the championship committee at the NC2A is, what they're considering at this point. No question that's a step that should be down the road coming at us to help the sport even more, given that we're in the situation we're in. It's, it's, so, it's such a cool thing. Well, the situation you're in is very cool, Coach. 20 in a row and the number one team in the nation. We wish you the best of luck over the rest of the season and look forward to your playoff run. Thanks a lot for spending some time with us here on the Net Live. Thanks for inviting me. Appreciate it. Thanks, Coach. Coach John Dunning, head coach at uh, Stanford University in his 12th season, although 28 overall for Coach Dunning. Good stuff there from him. And It is time to see the tournament. Look, it's a rounding error, the amount of money it would take to travel these teams. It is a rounding error on the invoice or the spreadsheet, the P- profit and loss. P&L. P&L for the NCAA, period. It's negligible how many dollars. Teams, how many teams now? It's one set of uniforms for the football team <laughs> for the entire tournament to be seated. I mean, let's be honest about where we're at dollar-wise, NCAA. How many teams are in it now? Well, there's 64 teams in it, but the problem is they only seed the 16. Then they make decisions on where people go based on distance of travel. Oh, gotcha. So you're not ranking teams. You're not getting, you know, one versus 64 or whatever. You're getting top 16, and then they put people in there based on travel. So you end up with crazy matchups where a Hawaii will end up playing a UCLA or something in the second round, where gotcha. it shouldn't happen until the third round. Yeah. Know? Those kinds of things. And so you end up with a diluted tournament or a uh, definitely a diluted tournament by the time you end up uh, in the, the eight. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot more potential for weird things to happen rather than having the eight best teams or the 16 best teams two rounds in. Gotcha. So good stuff from Coach Dunning. It was good to talk to these guys that have been around a while. Not just to call them old. Well, you did call them old. Seen but that, yeah, that, <laughs> yeah, that I've seen it. And that, I liked his optimism about the future of the sport. Cause I know, it's always nice to hear. Because I know on this show, every once in a while, we don't have a lot of optimism about it, for sure. People accuse me of having too much negativity. You know what? Somebody's got to be negative on the show. Call it realism, people. (laughs) Geeter's usually the positive, the blind, oh, yes, we can do it. Yes, we can. Look, it's an amazing sport, and it can be bigger than it is. Women play it well. No doubt. We had that talk last week about basketball. I don't think that's a a great feature sport for women. I think volleyball is. I got lots of uh, text messages and a couple emails about our um, talking about women who move like men or hit like men. And I had to explain to somebody... Because they were like, well, why don't you just call them athletic? Because there's a difference. There are women who are super athletic that don't, quote, unquote, move like men. Elena Bergsma. Destiny Hooker is super athletic and gnarly, but I don't, I wouldn't, she doesn't hit like a guy. No. No, where if you look at... Uh, but she's hit super gnarly. Right. So I'm not saying, like, she's not a good player. But there's some girls you look at like, okay, she hits like a guy. I'm trying to think of her name. Kim Willoughby. Mm-hmm. University of Hawaii and played in 2008 with the women. Came in and played very well. Kim Willoughby. Moves like a guy. Hits like a guy. Maria Ruiz hits like a guy. Yeah. Has an arm like a guy. Yeah, that's Movement not player. saying, I had to explain some of this. We weren't saying that if you didn't move like a guy as a girl, you weren't good. That's not what we said at all. No, and we're not calling those girls masculine. Yeah. <laughs> Settle down, people. Yeah. Settle down, yeah. But I like that people are listening. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. No, and it's obvious when you see women move that way, you go, oh, that looks like a dude. Period. Yeah. And there's some guys that you see that move like women. Caster Zemenya. Yes, there are. Mostly in your metro world. Whoa. Caster Zemenya. Yeah. Sprinter. Yeah. From South Africa. A lot of debate about her gender. Mm, oh, yeah. Big issues there. But 
when you watch Castro Zemenya run, runs like a guy. Her method of locomotion is that of someone with narrower hips, broader shoulders, more muscle mass. Yeah, fine. That's that's how a guy is built. Yeah. It's like saying that car looks like a Bentley. Right. The Chrysler 300 looks like yeah, a Bentley. exactly. Same thing. But it's not, and we all it's know that. It's still a Chrysler. Yeah. <laughs> so now we're calling women Chryslers. We're oh, really going yeah. the wrong You're direction so on this program. All right. Well, we better end it before we get too before many more really emails. But many thanks go out to the American Volleyball Coaches Association, Volleyball Magazine, for the support of this program. Hurley still have shirts. I believe they're going in a little holiday gift guide. So it's uh, it's time for people to give some gifts. Yep. Give your friends a NetLive t-shirt. Support this show. Yeah. Proceeds don't go to Geeter's parking tickets. Goes to keep the no. show alive. Well documented that he pays his own tickets. Yep. But as he should because it's his fault. As he should. And Reed Pretty doesn't even isn't even involved with the show anymore. We <laughs> fired Reed Pretty. We sent him to Turkey and said, "Do not contact us until you come back." That's right. He is now uh pointed at Mecca five times a day rather than on the program. Good. Yeah. Good for him. He's converted. That was quick. His dad's not going to be happy. That was quick. <laughs> so we will not have a show next week. We will have a show in two weeks. Enjoy your week in between. I'm sure we will have tons to talk about. That will be the 19th of November. We will be returning with the NetLive. There will be lots of volleyball between now and then. I'll be at Oregon State on Thursday. And next, the following week, I will be at Texas. Where Texas, Texas Tech ought to be a good one. And remember, those matches that were mentioned, Stanford and Washington going to be a good one, and Stanford-UCLA going to be another good one. Good job this today, Kevin. And go to Pauly. Thanks. Yeah. will be at Pauly on Friday. Your Mohawk looked good. We didn't mention it earlier. It's all good. And uh, maybe next time we'll talk about how I got kicked out of my flag football game. That was awesome. Yeah. We're doing nothing. We'll see how it works out. The Net Live, Kevin and Jeremy, have a great week, people. Have a great two weeks. We'll see you on the 19th of November. The best college volleyball in the country is coming to Louisville, and you'll want to be there up close to take in all the action. Cheer for every point. Witness every rally. Experience it live at the 2012 NCAA Division I Women's Volleyball Championship, December 13th and 15th at KFC Young Center in Louisville, Kentucky. Hosted by the University of Louisville and the Louisville Sports Commission. All session tickets start at $62. Visit NCAA.com volleyball to make a date with champions.